I saw a great multitude that no man could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Reverend Canons, dear faithful. The Apostle St. John in the latter half of the epistle for today tells us of his vision of the heavenly liturgy, where the saints, clothed in the white robe of divine grace and purity, stand in reverence before the throne of God, holding the palm leaves of their victories over the flesh, the world, and the devil, and singing continuously the divine praises. This vision was preceded by a vision of the angels marking the elect whom God has called from all eternity to participate in his divine life. The Church reminds us of this calling at our baptism when the priest gives us a lit candle saying, Receive this burning light and see that you guard the grace of your baptism without blame. Keep the commandments of God so that when the Lord shall come to call you to the nuptials, you may meet him with all the saints in the heavenly courts there to live forever and ever. The Church also wishes this for us at our funeral, where she sings, May the angels lead you into paradise. May the martyrs receive you at your coming and lead you into the holy city of Jerusalem. This calling to holiness, this invitation to sanctity, was given to us all by our Lord Jesus Christ himself when he said, Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The saints, all of whom we venerate and honor in today's feast, answered the call to Christian perfection. They come from all walks of life and situations. Some, such as Thomas Aquinas and Therese of Lisieux, were pious and devout even from their youth, and truly they can say that they have kept the grace of their baptism without blame. Other saints were horrible sinners before their conversion to the life of Christ, such as Mary Magdalene, Margaret of Cortona, and Augustine of Hippo, who even prayed, Lord, make me a saint, just not yet. Still many more were rather mediocre in their spiritual lives or more attuned to the ways of the world before becoming serious about their eternity, such as Therese of Avila, Francis Xavier, and Benedict of Nursia. The great variety of Christ's saints proves to us that sanctity does not depend on whether we are from a good family or well-educated or have always been religious. It is not so much where we come from as into what direction we are headed. The saints also give us great examples of how to walk on the road towards heaven. Here it is more a question of imitating their virtues as opposed to imitating the particular actions of the saints. We do not have to spend sunset to sunrise praying all 150 psalms like St. Patrick did, but we can all pray with the fervor and perseverance that he did. We don't have to live under a staircase in abject poverty as St. Alexis did, 
but we can have that detachment from earthly goods that he exemplified. We are all called to live virtuously according to our state of life. And so there is no reason why we should not aspire to the chaste purity of Maria Goretti, the gentle meekness of Francis de Sales, the abundant charity of Vincent de Paul, the courageous fortitude of the Japanese martyrs, and the huge humility of John Vianney. We are all called to love the Lord our God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and all our strength. The saints, each and every one of them, did not put a limit to their love of God. They did not hold themselves back when pleasures or wealth or ego got in the way of their advancement towards their beloved God. They pushed these aside to keep on marching towards their blessed Lord. When temptation came, they fought against it, knowing fully well that the worst thing that could happen to them was to fall into sin. Today we think of heaven and its happy inhabitants. But if we consider the alternative, so well brought to mind by yesterday's festivities, we think of hell and its less-than-joyous occupants. In hell, we do not see a brilliant sun and breathe fragrant air. Instead, we stare into the fiery darkness and inhale sulfurous gas. The detainees have no hope but the despair, no love but hatred, no pleasantness but anguish as they whirl violently around the bottomless pit of endless woe. They do not enjoy the vision of the good and loving God, their final end. Instead, they suffer the sight of the most tyrannical of demons who tricked them into sin so he could satisfy his envious hatred for mankind. Certainly, one could go into great detail of their various actions, which led the damned to their well-deserved fate. But if we were to look at all of them, from the murders of numerous innocents, the worst of criminals, to the one-time offenders, we notice that they have placed, over and above the love of God, another love, even to the point of rejecting entirely God, their supreme good, and supreme happiness. It may have been pleasure, or money, or fame, or just plain pride. Whereas the saints strived after the love of God and opened themselves to his grace, even mortifying themselves, the damned have rejected it by mortal sin. They may not feel, they may not have felt that at that time that they were doing bad, but they knew that they were transgressing the divine commandments and going against their loving Savior. If we are called to heaven, my dear faithful, as the divine scriptures reassure us, we must imitate the saints who are already there and reject the scandalous examples of the damned. We must not indulge in lust, gluttony, or sloth, nor should we harbor anger, hatred, or envy. Nor must we lead ourselves by avarice or exalt ourselves by pride. Instead, we must acknowledge God and his role in our lives, cooperate with the graces he sends us, and use well the time that we have 
the duration of which we do not know, to grow in holiness and to become a saint. A saint, my dear faithful, is a witness to God and to the living of the gospel. That witness is given whether there are people to see it or not, because God always sees it. Whether we act virtuously in private or in public, in our minds or outwardly, he sees it. And so he calls us also to be saints. And he calls us to be saints for the particular times and circumstances that we live in now. Our times are marked with many grave evils. Our vocation then is to confront these evils by doing good. In a world filled with Marxist hatred and class envy, we are called to be charitable, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to wish the good to him as we would wish the good to ourselves, to pray for him, to make sacrifices for him, and to lead him to a better life. And, of course, to forgive him any offenses he may have committed against us. In that way, we imitate the good Lord, who in his immense charity forgives us our sins and even sent his Son into this world to suffer and die for our redemption. In a world rampant with irreligion, we are called to defend the faith and to exert even more pious demonstrations, to eradicate error around us by the truth that we know through the teachings of Christ and his church, to be all the more insisting upon our right to worship the one true God and to give him that glory and honor which is his due and to act piously in our day-to-day lives, always keeping in mind our final end. And then finally, where in this world life, especially that of the unborn, is treated like trash or as something to be sold upon the black market, the more we must promote the culture of life and to support those who work to protect the lives of the unborn, whether it be in the private sphere or the civic sphere, we need to help and support those who fight the good fight to eradicate this great evil that is upon our land, that evil of abortion, and to be all the more witnesses to the culture of life, not just by our words, but by our deeds. It may be somewhat undaunting when we think of the power of the evil that is around us. It seems like they always have the upper hand. But we must not forget that God does not abandon his people. And the saints are there to implore and intercede for us. For they themselves have fought that fight before us, before they went into their everlasting glory in heaven. And so we should not forget on this day in which we commemorate all the saints, the martyrs, the confessors, the virgins, the holy men and women who have gone before us, that we are not alone in our endeavors towards Christian perfection or spreading the reign of Christ the King amongst us. God assists us even with his grace, which we receive by prayer, in the sacraments, and through good works. There is the vast multitude of the saints who pray for us, who love us with that divine charity, who want to see us at their sides in the heavenly paradise of God. And so they pray for us and make intercession for us. They help us along the way. And we should therefore ask their intercession in our times of need. When temptation assaults us, 
when perseverance wanes, or when discouragement overwhelms us. They will help us in our journey because they wait for us, yearning for us to be their co-citizens in the heavenly kingdom. They want for us as they had for themselves that at the end of our earthly life, when we reach the judgment seat of Christ, that he will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter now in the kingdom of thy peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.